Hi, I'm Michael Dunn, and this is Oregon Rainmakers. Today, we're talking with Caroline Cummings, the CEO of Oregon Rain. Oregon Rain's mission is to partner with communities to help and develop entrepreneurs and to be a connector between those entrepreneurs and the resources they need to grow and thrive. We'll talk about rain and how our community stacks up as a place where entrepreneurs and startups can succeed. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. No, I'm so glad you could be with us. So let's start kind of from the beginning. Uh, talk about your, your background and your career and, and how you got to where you are today. Sure, I'd love to. I am an accidental entrepreneur, <laughs> <laughs> as I think many are. Yeah. I grew up on the East Coast okay. in New Jersey and lived in Philly for a while and made it over to the West Coast 18 years ago, one of those trailing spouses. <laughs> And I had a really hard time finding work. Okay. In particular, that I was, um, I had the skill set to provide and at the pay that I was accustomed to getting paid. Sure. And so when I came here, I got a lot of no's and a lot of confusing looks because I was the one wearing like the suit and <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't read my audience really well. Um, and so I went on the state's website and started a consulting business. Okay. And I thought, what do I know really well? I know two things. I know marketing and communications okay. and change management. Okay. And I had been working in the pharmaceutical industry, so I started looking for people in that space that I could provide value to. Let's delve into that a little bit. Change management. It's one of those terms I think people think they know, but maybe don't. Mm. Talk, talk more about change management. Sure. Change management is a methodology used in business, in social situations, in families. You can use it and it's applicable in any environment Okay. where the goal is to change behavior and the way we think and do things. Okay. And there's a whole science behind it. You can pay very expensive consultants to come <laughs> in to do this work. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's is what you want to change needed? Okay. Or is it just that you think it's needed? Okay. Okay. Um, transitioning from the East Coast to the West Coast like you did, you know, kind of um, – and we were, you know, talking before we, we even got on the microphones about sort of you had a very circuitous, circuitous route in terms of education. But how did that sort of arm you with that idea of being – somebody who can help entrepreneurs on their on their path because your path wasn't necessarily a to b my path was definitely not a to b and i grew up in a family with a sister who knew what she wanted to be from the time she was five she wanted to be a math and science teacher okay and her career took her there so you can imagine growing up following behind her who also was valedictorian really smart <laughs> and not knowing what i wanted to do and going to five different academic institutions, first being art school, thinking I wanted to do fashion design, and then psychology, thinking I want to work in psychology fields and help youth, then maybe becoming a police officer, <laughs> and then taking a break and saying, I clearly don't know what I want to do. But <laughs> all of them are really creative and also have a helpful sure. component to them. And then finally realized I needed to go to business school. Okay. Okay. Um, and was that impactful in terms of going to business school. I imagine there are some people who go to business school and, and, and learn a lot, obviously, and can apply that in the real world. I've also heard from other people that say, well, you know what, I, I wish I would have went in something like more of a, a, a liberal arts education because I could learn business, but I needed an expertise in a certain, a certain realm. Was that What was your experience with business school? Well, I, I took the lens of 
communications. Technology okay. and communications was really the area I focused in as opposed to business being first. Okay. And I think that a lot of business schools would do a service to their students if they jumped first into how do you communicate and then let's learn the tactics and the strategies of running a business. Because you may know how to run a business, but if you sure. don't know how to communicate that, you're not going to be successful. Sure, 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 sure. So um, armed with all that life experience and then coming out here to the West Coast, um, how did you get from sort of, you know, what you were doing to, huh, let me, let me look at this organization. Or if my memory serves, this organization kind of started, I don't know, what was it, 10 years ago, five years ago? Maybe not. I forget when, when Rain sort of launched. And if my memory serves, you were kind of a, a staff person at one point, and then you became the leader. Sort of take us through that trajectory. Sure. So Rain was an idea, a brainchild of several different stakeholders in the Eugene and Corvallis area, okay. including the then mayors of Eugene and Corvallis, the two VPs of research from the University of Oregon and Oregon State University, um, a few state reps and state senators, and then several stakeholders, business folks from the community, including the regional solutions, the governor's regional solutions office. Really, this was a regional solutions project. Okay. The original reason it was launched in it was formed in 2014 okay. was because there was a lot of great tech transfer and ideas coming out of both the University of Oregon and Oregon State University, but there wasn't an ecosystem in place to support those ideas and those innovations once they left the universities. Okay. They needed mentors, talent, other accelerator programs, potentially lab space, working space, capital is okay. a big one. And so RAIN was created to help advance the traded sector economy in the Southern Willamette Valley. Okay. So if you didn't exist, take... Let's 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 say let's let's just invent a community that doesn't have something like a rain. Mm. So, how does an entrepreneur without that ecosystem that you talked about? We're going to get into that more. What are they left with? So basically, it's like okay, I have an idea. I want to launch a business. I guess I got to go find you know a bank that'll give me a loan, and I'm on my own. Mm. And so you kind of solve a problem in terms of developing a whole bunch of, I don't know, handrails or something for that entrepreneur to say, oh, I can grab onto this to help me get to the next. Mm -hmm. Take me through it. Sure. Yeah. And, and rain has evolved over time. Mm -hmm. So in the early days, we raised $5 million from the state legislature to okay. pass through to the two regional accelerators in Eugene and Corvallis. Okay. And so that those programs could start and scale. Right. After that, we started getting calls from rural communities saying, we see what you're doing in Eugene and Corvallis. Can you help us here in Florence and Oak Ridge and John Day? And so the communities that don't have rain, mm -hmm. um, there's entrepreneurs with great ideas or people yeah. with ideas who want to be entrepreneurs. We call entrepreneurs. <laughs> but if they don't have resources to connect to, it's a very lonely game being sure. an entrepreneur. Sure. And entrepreneurs, you know, by definition, are really two things. You're starting something from nothing, and you become comfortable being uncomfortable most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy to do. And I have been the co-founder, CEO of two tech startups. And I know what it's like to be in a community in Eugene 
back in 2007 and 8 where there wasn't an ecosystem in place. And, of course, the SBDC, the Small Business Development Centers, are here, and they're a great resource. Mm -hmm. The Eugene Chamber had a venture fund group that wasn't really making investments but was a group of folks getting together interested in putting money in. Um, And then if you look around the state, there really wasn't anything going on. And so what happens is people with great ideas leave the area. Their idea never makes makes it to market because they don't feel like they have the support or they fail because they're making a series of mistakes. Okay. And I know what that's like. My okay. first company failed. And, <laughs> you know, out of the 10 reasons startups fail, we made six of those 10 reasons. <laughs> and so you, it's, it's really important to have an entire ecosystem because it takes a community to raise an entrepreneur. Do you feel like in your own personal background, I love what you said about being comfortable, being uncomfortable and, and sort of, we talked a little bit about your educational journey, but coming out here, trailing spouse, you know, so, so was that kind of always part of your DNA? Is it, is it, is it you could go into a situation and go, okay, I know I don't have all the answers. I know I could fail and I'm okay with that. Yes. I, I think teaching failure at a young age is important. I wasn't taught it. I was self-taught, <laughs> right? <laughs> But I was that kid who wasn't afraid to ask the difficult questions, to challenge situations. And, of course, I didn't have the savvy then to do it well. Okay. But I think making mistakes has to be included in the equation of K-12 education so that when we do innovate, when we do have ideas and we do fail, we know that that is okay. Not only is it okay – it's important. Yeah. Think about all the great innovations in the world. Do you think they got it right the first time? <laughs> no, certainly not. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's take our first break. We're talking with Caroline Cummings, the CEO of Oregon Rain. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Rain does and, 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 and how it helps entrepreneurs succeed. Hi, I am Neda Ulibi. Maybe you don't listen to public radio on, well, a radio. Maybe you use your computer or a smartphone to tune in. Or maybe you catch up on our website. When you donate to this NPR station, you support everything we do, from the stories you hear on air to the ones you read online. Here's how to give. Support KLCC right now at our website, klcc.org. Thanks. And we're back talking with Caroline Cummings, the CEO of Oregon Rain. So, um... I believe Oregon Rain, I, I think your brand is pretty strong. There's been a lot of good coverage about what you are, but I can imagine that there are a lot of people who go, I've heard of it, but not exactly sure what you do. So give us the 30,000 foot view of what Oregon Rain is. And maybe within that 30,000 view is to t- take us through the evolution of Oregon Rain since it launched, I believe you said in 2014. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is we're actually not called Oregon Rain. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we are, our legal name is Regional Accelerator and Innovation Network. Okay. Um, folks just started calling us Oregon Rain, plus our website is OregonRain.org. So yeah, it right. makes sense why, pe- why people call us that. Sure. Um, but Rain was originally created to catalyze two regional accelerators, one in Eugene and one in Corvallis. Okay. Those accelerators still exist and are still thriving. Sure. And they're actually physically attached to the universities, right? The one in Corvallis is physically connected to the Oregon State University called the Advantage Accelerator. Okay. The one in Eugene is downtown at 942 Olive okay. in a university-owned building. Got it. But the program is now managed by the Eugene Chamber through Onward Eugene. I see. Mm-hmm. Clear, very clean, very easy to understand. <laughs> you know, in, in entrepreneurship, things evolve, and yeah. that's a good thing, yeah. right? 
And so the what rain does now is we get invited into communities, small rural communities or large communities anywhere in the world. We are global now. Wow. And as long as we get invited, what we get invited in to do is to help build an inclusive entrepreneurial economy and ecosystem. Now, I know that sounds like, what is that? (laughs) I was just going to (laughs) ask. So let's talk about the city of Florence. Okay. They invited us in back at the end of 2015. And it was their one of their city council members and their city manager and mayor heard about what we were doing in Eugene and Corvallis, reached out and said, we want to learn more about what you're doing. Okay. So we went and we did a series of presentations. The city council ended up approving funding to invite us there. What we do then is we hire someone who is an entrepreneur, train them on what a venture catalyst does, not a venture capitalist. And explain that difference. Yeah. So a venture capitalist is an individual or a group of individuals through a fund that want to invest millions of dollars in individual startup companies, sure. mostly in very high-growth, fast-growing companies like technologies. I was going to say Silicon Valley is kind of, that's, the, that's the, the stuff that feeds Silicon Valley. Exactly, exactly. And then a venture catalyst is an individual who has street cred, meaning they have started or run companies prior. Even if the company failed, it doesn't matter. They understand what it takes to go through the motions of starting a company. Okay. And they help catalyze individual businesses, ventures, in a given territory. Okay. In Florence, the council, you know, the city council people said, we need help because we don't necessarily have that kind of ecosystem in place. So you hired an entrepreneur. If we could use Florence as as a case study, Mm -hmm. you got there then what is it? Is it a bunch of is it is it a bunch of on the ground interviews from from key stakeholders about what is missing and 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 what we we prescribe to fill that and, and take us through that a little bit. Great question. And I was the first venture catalyst nice. in the city of Florence, so <laughs> nice. I can answer that yeah. firsthand at least. So, what we did is after we got invited in, we wanted to put a few events on. Okay. You know, a meetup at a cafe, okay. um, a pitch event where we invite people in to share their ideas of for businesses. We do a series of events and see what bubbles up. Okay. Who comes out of the woodwork? Okay. And how we know we were successful through various marketing and outreach. And by the way, I would go and sit in cafes and listen yeah. with my laptop, who's doing what. Okay. Talk to the local small business development center, the community college, the chamber. Who's already kind of in the business space? Okay. And after about six events, we realized that we were talking to the right people. How we knew that was the mayor came up to me and said, Caroline, I don't know half of these people at this event. There was about 120 people at an independent movie theater in Florence attending a pitch event. And he said, do these people really live in Florence? And I said, yes, they do. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're typically not joiners because we're so heads down working on our business idea. We're not going to city council meetings. We're not yet potentially joining chambers of commerce until we actually have a business sure. to get the value from those. And and then we create programming based on who we find. So our model is investigative, not prescriptive. Okay. So in Florence, what we were finding was a lot of people working on small manufacturing and what they wanted 
was storefront space to be able to test their idea out, not necessarily have to rent for a, a three-year lease. So okay. how could they work together to test that out to make sure that their business really has legs? Okay. If they need capital, we worked with them to raise capital. They needed mentors. We try and recruit mentors from the local business community and essentially just wrap the resources around them, refer them to the Small Business Development Center if that's what they need, and just hold their hand through the life cycle of their business. Was Florence unique? In, in, uh, the reason I asked about Florence is, uh, you know, and, and this may be my very Eugenian kind of uh, 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 prejudices, but it's like I always think of Florence as, boy, the vast majority of those businesses must be tourism related because of being on the coast. But that's probably wrong. And, I, and something you said, which I thought was very interesting, is by their very nature, entrepreneurs are not joiners because they're so busy trying to launch what they're trying to do. So I imagine... And, and it was interesting talking about the mayor saying, I don't know a, b- a bunch of these people. Right then and there, that's a successful move because all of a sudden you got a whole bunch of people who probably wouldn't venture out of their, you know, their garage or their spare bedroom launching something to actually become part of a larger group. That must have been gratifying to you in terms of that. Absolutely. And everyone who works for Rain is an entrepreneur, has been, so okay. we have that street cred. And that's why I believe the individuals in a community come out to the events is they say, oh, this person's been there, done that. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so they work with, we work with them where they're at. Okay. Okay. Whatever stage they're in, we will deliver. Okay. And the other piece that we do that's different and unique is we're culture builders. Okay. So we're not just hosting events. We're not just putting on an accelerator. Sure. We are helping create a culture. We have zero physical um, spaces. We don't have a physical space. Okay. And we go to where the entrepreneurs hang out in the communities. Okay. And we put on events that help the community see what entrepreneurship looks like because it usually happens behind closed doors or garage doors. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I don't mean this to sound like the start of a of like a, a joke, but it's like you know, ten entrepreneurs in a room. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking the punchline is X, but it's like. Do entrepreneurs, because obviously I imagine very headstrong, very, very focused, can a whole bunch of entrepreneurs get together and work on something greater than themselves? Or I maybe phrase it this way. What are the challenges to get a whole bunch of entrepreneurs kind of rowing in the same direction? Yeah, the, the cohort mentality is really important because natural collisions happen. Now, of course, when we were able to meet in person, yeah, that okay. was easier, but virtually, yeah, virtual collisions happening. But it's wonderful when you get a group of like-minded entrepreneurs together, even if they're competing in the same space and okay. working with them through what they're thinking about because they realize, wow, you're struggling here. You're struggling with childcare. You're struggling with finding a market. Yeah. You're struggling with raising capital. We are too. What can we do to rally together to support each other? Okay. So that cohort mentality is extremely important to support entrepreneurs, whether you're talking about a town with 300 people or 3 million people. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You use the word collision, but I'm thinking, I, I, th- I hear the word collision. I think something bad happening, but you don't mean it that way, right? You mean that there, there's, there's a coming together, right? Exactly. Exactly. Coming together and being open about the struggles you're facing because being an entrepreneur is a lonely business and you need to be able to talk about these difficult things, not all the time with your with your significant other or your sure. family. You want to be able to talk about with these people going through it with you. Sure, 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 sure. Um. Interesting. You know, let's say you're meeting a friend or, 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 or you're talking to a city council person, whatever, in your communication about rain, what are, 
what does success look like? What, what have you been able to say, because of our application, because of our involvement, we've been able to do X? So let's talk about Florence. Okay. Since yeah. We're yeah. On yeah. that topic. Sure. So having been invited in there at the uh, having been invited to Florence at the end of 2015, and now here we sit, and it's 2022. Yeah. They have far more new businesses than they had. They have people with ideas supporting each other. So, for example, there's someone with a space in downtown on Bay Street, on Bayfront. And they can't afford the rent on their own, but other entrepreneurs are using the space that those collisions wouldn't have happened if we didn't make those connections. There's companies who have raised capital there. The city council and the chamber and folks are now using the language of entrepreneurial ecosystem building, understanding what that means, and making referrals and connections outside of RAIN, just that, that, that groundswell has been created. So you could go anywhere in Florence, I would challenge, (laughs) and say, what is an entrepreneur? And what is a startup? How is that different than a small business? Because we've done so much education there, so many people would be able to chime in and explain that. That's exciting. That's exciting. Well, we're going to take our next break. We've been, we're talking with uh, Caroline Cummings. She's the CEO of Oregon Rain. And we're going to come back and talk more about building an entrepreneurial ecosystem. I'm Barbara Dillenbach, host of KLCC's Oregon Grapevine. Gary Tepfer is a well-known photographer, musician, and creative thinker. He notes that photographers are a special group. A photographer has to go out into the weather when it's bad rather than get in the tent. They might have to be on top of a mountain when it's dark. It's just a different pace. It's not a comfortable pace for most people to be out in. And so it, it is a pretty solitary pursuit. Gary talks about his love of Eugene and his professional life on the newest Oregon Grapevine at klcc.org. And we're back talking with Caroline Cummings, CEO of Oregon Rain. So um, during all this time, during during the time of which you've gotten your organization up and running since it launched a few years ago to now, and you just talked about some of the great success you've had in Florence, but you've been operating like many of us have during this global pandemic. And I'm wondering, you know, what both the lessons learned in terms of how to operate and, and sp- specifically how entrepreneurs had to operate during COVID and maybe what are some of the, because of the crisis opportunities rose. And, and I know that one of the things you, you, you do is you really communicate well with your uh, uh, members or, or however you define the people who are part of your, your organization. And you did a survey and you, you kind of found out a whole bunch of different things. Talk about that in, in light of COVID and where we are today. Sure. Um, when COVID hit, because our organization was already remote okay. and because everybody in the organization is entrepreneurial, we're used to pivoting quickly. <laughs> yeah. We had within 10 days planned an accelerator and launched it wow. and had 220 Oregon entrepreneurs sign up for it. And they were desperate for help. Some of them needed help quickly getting online. Okay. How do I sell my products online? Some of them just needed a cohort to be able to connect to. Sure. Some need it to learn how to wind down their business. Some were trying to figure out how to raise capital, how to apply for the emergency funding, the sure. PPP and the idle funding. Yeah. Um, so we recently just surveyed 232 entrepreneurs who are mostly underrepresented entrepreneurs. And by that, we mean women, rural, uh, people of color, okay. veterans, single parents, who are trying to run their business at the same time of struggling through a pandemic. And we ask questions about their personal well-being. 
And many of them are still struggling and have high anxiety. Many of them are still feeling socially disconnected because so many of us have gotten used to not going out and, and just saying, why do I need to drive across town if I can just have a virtual meeting? Sure. Right. Um, but these companies, many of them thrived, right? Hmm. Because think about over history. Many of the businesses that are doing well were started during a depression or recession or a bear market. <laughs> and we're kind of, I feel like we're in the middle of a lot of those. Yeah, exactly. And so it, we're already scrappy as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so when many organizations were struggling, rain was thriving. Our budget quadrupled. Wow. We added... 18 people to our team in a six-month period because we needed to respond to the need to help these businesses who desperately wanted to stay alive and thrive. What's amazing to me in, in, in hearing you talk is, is just that, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit is that's a real thing. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's real currency in mm-hmm. terms of being able to adapt and evolve, especially during really trying circumstances. Exactly. And you know, since rain started, we've been invited into 30 communities in Oregon across five counties and then the entire Oregon coast in a partnership with Oregon State University through Hatfield to help build the maritime economy. Okay. And because we're global now, we've recently received U.S. State Department money to get invited into Islamabad, Pakistan, and help advance women entrepreneurship there. So that's a two-year project we're very excited about. Well, talk about that. That's, that is very exciting. And it, how did you go from a, you know, kind of a, a regional organization to a global organization? And what were you doing that an organization or a, an entity so far away in mm-hmm. Pakistan said, oh, we need to bring these folks in? Right. Especially because we only go where we're invited, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, how did Islamabad <laughs> find out about, how did the U.S. Embassy in Islamabad find sure, out about sure. rural rain in, in yeah, Eugene, and, Oregon? And how did they? So it was right before the pandemic. um, There was a project that the University of Oregon had already won a grant, a federal grant, to travel to Pakistan and help do mentoring for women and partner with universities there. Okay. Nathan Lilligard, who is now actually on the RAIN team, he is our capital access director, was a part of the University of Oregon, and he's still teaching in the MBA program there. Okay. He was a part of that project. Huh. He invited me to meet the visiting faculty from Gilgit-Baltistan region in Pakistan. Okay. After meeting them, they wanted to pick three people that they met in Eugene to fly to Pakistan and help teach them more about our model. Wow. And so I was very honored to be selected and travel there. So this was September of 2019, right before the pandemic. Yeah. And through the relationships we made, one of the faculty actually is on our board of directors now. We were looking for grants to help keep this work going. And we also have on our team Aksa Khan, who is from Islamabad, is in the U of O MBA program right now. She's on the RAIN team serving entrepreneurs. She's an entrepreneur herself, a fashion apparel entrepreneur. She's the project manager for this project. Wow. I have to say, it's one thing to be invited to, let's say, you know, uh, Belgium or <laughs> or Shanghai. It's another thing to be invited to, let's be honest, one of the most dangerous places in the world that has gone through strife that, you, you know, uh, us sitting comfortably in America can only imagine. Mm. What's it like 
to because I imagine so much of their headspace is is simply you know keeping power on and having you know adequate drinking water and that sort of thing. But you're coming in and saying, but there's so much more you could do. What was that like to kind of have to you know explain this model that you created in let's call you know a very safe and stable ecosystem like Eugene, Oregon Mm -hmm. to something completely different. Yeah, I have to say, traveling to Pakistan. Now, I had already traveled to Cairo, Egypt during social unrest back in 2015 with Mercy Corps. So I had already traveled to areas where I had to register with the the embassy and they're saying don't travel and you have to have security in place when you get there. And I have to say that Having traveled in various parts of Pakistan, including the Swat Valley, which is where Malala had been shot by the Taliban, and seeing where that happened was an extremely moving experience. Every single Pakistani I met was so hospitable Mm. and so welcoming and so glad that we were there that that is why we do it. Sure. If they want the help and they want what we have that works, then we want to give that. Sure. Well, and I imagine, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you, when you talk about it, you, you, like you, you yourself and, and others that you've, you've been with for so long, you know, that entrepreneurs can take a crisis situation and because of their mindset can, 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 can spin out of that and create real success. Boy, I got to imagine entrepreneurship in a place like Pakistan must be, you know, these are like, boy, they've, you know, they've had to overcome things you and myself can hardly imagine. Especially in particular right now where they're dealing with the floods that they've had. Um, You know, I'll tell a story about an entrepreneur, a group of women entrepreneurs that I was supporting in Cairo, Egypt a few years back. Okay. Where the problems, the quote unquote, we think about startup problems, what's the market problem you're solving? Yeah. This group of women, there were three of them working in a startup that, think about the app Uber, but instead of having a car come pick you up, they were picking up people's laundry, picking it up and delivering it, right? Okay. Cool app idea, very needed. Sure. And the I'm delivering a presentation talking about you know how I did my startups and how you know I worked in the tech space and raised capital in America, and the the one woman raises her hand. She says, "I have a problem. I need your help with." Sure. What is it? She says, well, in my culture, I, it is not appropriate for me to out-earn my husband. It's hmm. considered disrespectful. Hmm. And my app is doing so well, we are now so successful that I may have to shut it down. Oh, wow. So I, you had to see how humbling this was because I'm thinking, I don't have an answer. Yeah. So I kind of, sort of went inside. I was like, what do I do? And I looked around the room of this powerhouse group of women entrepreneurs. Yeah. Most of them were from Cairo, Egypt, and said, what do you all think we should do here? And they came up with an incredible idea. This is the power of the cohort. And they said, wait a minute. There's three of you in the business. Why don't you spin out a new company every time you reach the threshold of huh. revenue huh. that is considered appropriate sure have that other woman become the ceo of that company and then spin it out and they all became subsidiaries of this wow what a great idea (laughs) indeed so they could still be successful still not disrespect their husbands and their culture sure and work together it was a beautiful day i I got the chills i still have the chills thinking about it so there's different problems that these countries are having to solve however what's the same through and through. Doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur from Islamabad or Skagit, Washington, which also <laughs> just recently invited us up there, or Oak Ridge yeah. here in Lane County. The commonalities are 
we there's a problem in the market we want to solve that no one is solving to meet our expectations. We really don't want to work for anyone else. We want our independence. And we want to make change in the world. Sure. How do we do that? Sure. That is what I, that, that's who I get excited about helping. Yeah, yeah. Well, and obviously, I mean, since you, you, you haven't been around all that long and, and you're starting to see successes, you're, you're obviously starting to see, you know, uh, uh, as disparate uh, uh, groups as Skagit Washington and Islamabad uh, offering or asking for your help. Um, but kind of pulling back to our community, mm-hmm. you know, kind of how would you characterize uh sort of the entrepreneurial spirit here in Western and Central Oregon, where, where you do most of your operation. Are we unique in terms of our population, or do we still have a long way to go to be what you would consider a really dynamic entrepreneurial ecosystem? Hmm. I appreciate that question because starting my first tech company in Eugene back in 2007, 2008, okay. and having raised about $600,000 at that time, and then, of course, the housing crisis yeah. hit, and that company yeah. failed for various reasons, sure. um, The there wasn't an ecosystem in place okay. to support what we were doing. Okay. Flash forward to today, and now in the Eugene area in particular, you've got a thriving small business development center. You've got Onward Eugene. Mm -hmm. You've got a chamber in Eugene and in Springfield that loves to help their businesses and are using terms like entrepreneurship and innovation. We've got money from the state that's going into RAIN, the University of Oregon, Onward Eugene, other programs to help build an innovation economy here. Okay. And by the way, that takes about 20 years to do. Yeah. This isn't something that just happens overnight. And so we're seeing Business Oregon, which is the state's economic development arm, put out a 10-year innovation plan. And there's some funding that has been trickled down here in Lane County to help figure out what does that mean for, okay. for Lane County. And we don't have the answer yet. Okay. But there's a lot of smart people who care. And I think the biggest improvement since my first company was you see private public private sector partnerships happening okay. and people from all different walks of life wanting to help champion entrepreneurship and innovation in Lane County. That is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I always think of Lane County as as kind of, you know, it's 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 easy, especially for those of us who live in Eugene, to, to, to think of, you know, Lane County is Eugene, Springfield, kind of the, the I-5 corridor, but it's not. There's so much in terms of the rural parts of, of, of this county. Can rural Lane County, you know, with helps uh, uh, with like an organization you've talked about, Florence, can, can, can the rural parts uh, become sort of their own entrepreneurial ecosystems and not have to necessarily rely on talent or treasure from the the, the i5 corridor if that makes sense absolutely and that is a big reason why we get invited because entrepreneurs who live in rural who wanted who wanted to get support were told you have to go to eugene you have to go to portland to get support sure we flip that model on its head and say no we want to bring resources to you Otherwise, people are going to leave these rural communities, yeah. and that's not good for the future of Oregon, sure. in particular rural Oregon. Sure. And, 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 and kind of 
jumping off of that point as well, I imagine whether it's an intended or unintended consequence of what you do. We have these two, you know, robust universities, and I know that a lot of people are concerned of, boy, they they get a great education at U of O or OSU, and then they leave because they want to go to larger markets or stuff like that. Part of what you do, I imagine, whether implicitly or explicitly, is to sort of help thwart some of that brain drain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what's great about the university reaching out in the community and with 942 Olive being located in the downtown, not locked behind the campus doors. Now, you <laughs> sure. still need a key card to get in, but sure. that's okay. At least it's public and visible, I should say. Sure. Right? And so with the partnership that, in a collaborative, I would say, when Rain gets invited into the University of Oregon to speak to classes, to participate in helping with BIPOC founders and making sure that there's more women and people of color getting the support they need because you can't just say we are going to support everybody and not do specific strategic moves to attract people of color and women. Okay. And so, for example, there's a great group in town called Huerto de la Familia and Centro Latino, and they are partnering together and they work with founders who are of color and speak Spanish in particular. And I think having them on next would be a good group to bring in because there's a lot of really cool organizations in the ecosystem. And part of the value of the venture catalyst is that person's job is to make sure they have their finger on the pulse of everything. The agenda for an entrepreneurial ecosystem builder is the entrepreneurs at the center, not the university, not the chamber, not any, not rain, it's the entrepreneur's agenda. Yeah. And so that venture catalyst looks around the entire region, what's here, do an ecosystem assessment, where are the gaps? Great. If there's a capital gap, okay, we just filled a capital gap by partnering with Republic out of New York City to create a crowdfunding platform specific to Oregon founders. There's one deal on it right now, and they've raised 55000 It's a new brewery opening in Eugene, okay. Arable Brewery, Brewing. And so... Someone has to be monitoring the gaps and filling them. And if it's not rain, oftentimes it's not rain who should fill the gap. Maybe it's the University of Oregon. Maybe it's Onward Eugene. Maybe it's Huerto. Whoever it is, we want to make sure that that happens. Yeah, yeah. So as we finish up, kind of the last question is, you know, kind of from your viewpoint, where do you go from here? What's your, what's your hopefully your 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 plan for world domination <laughs> means that rain grows to a certain size, or or is it more about you know kind of um, all the potential communities having access to what you do to to sort of you know that raising tide raises all ships is mm-hmm. what's the vision for the next five to ten years in your hope in your hopeful mind? Yeah, I mean, I would love it if. Every community globally, right? This is a big vision. Yeah. Anyone who had an idea, there was a culture of possibilities there, right? Just the idea of I have an idea and I can take this to market or try. Now, that's a big vision. Sure. Right? And how we get there is we have to educate community leaders about what an entrepreneurial ecosystem is and why it's important to the current and future economy of whatever region you're in. Yeah. And that's why the model of only going where invited is important. One other program that I'll mention is the International Economic Development Corporation, IEDC, just received a close to $30 million grant from the federal government to place fellows 
in underrepresented communities all over America who want help filling gaps in economic development. Yeah. Rain is a part of that grant to make sure that the communities that get the fellows want the fellow. So you see the difference here. It's like there's a difference between going to Detroit and saying, you need this fellow to fix your economic development versus Detroit saying, we want that fellow because we know sure. we need that assistance. Sure. So making sure that invitation model, community-informed, community-led, investigative, not prescriptive, is really embedded in the culture of communities, I think that will transform and get people who live in communities vested in wanting to help entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been fascinating because you know I, th- I think obviously you're filling a, a tremendous need, but it's it's I love the you know uh, the mindset of of being invited. I think that you know there are lots of instances in our society where there's kind of this strong armed attempt to try and go fix something versus waiting until a community says we need your help and then i think that puts everybody on the right footing for collaboration if that's fair absolutely and in if anybody listening loves ted talks like i do <laughs> there's one that i'm going to recommend from a gentleman named ernesto sorali he has an organization called the sorali institute and our okay. model's really built off of it and his ted talk is called want to help someone shut up and listen <laughs> and it is comical he's an italian and i'm italian so i relate <laughs> but i think listening to that really explains how a lot of the aid that goes into countries to help, say, quote, save them or bring new ways to them fails. And he talks about why. And Rain's model aligns 100%. That's, that's exciting. Thanks so much for coming and really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Great. Well, that was our conversation with Caroline Cummings of Oregon Rain. The NRD does so much to help our entrepreneurial environment get off the ground and fly, and they do it with many unique and successful programs. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers Podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Have a great day. 